What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, um, just right off the bat, did not have one on Sunday as usual. Um, I don't know if you if if y'all can hear from this or not, but um, very you know might sound a little sinusy or whatever. Um, I apologize for that. The reason I didn't do one on Sunday because it was ten times worse than it is now. Um, so you know, had a bit of a you know rough week last week. Um, so I didn't have. A podcast on Sunday. We will have one this Sunday, though. Uh, I can promise you that. And we also have one right now, as we're, as we are recording here. Nine was that nine sixteen, Tuesday, December seventh, and um, we got a lot to go over. So since I last talked to y'all, which was believe. Uh, November 28th, so that would have been two Sundays ago. We've had 13 schedules released. Um, it, it, it really is beautiful. It's, it's really, really beautiful uh, to see that. <clears throat> Three in particular that we will go over today, Georgetown, Penn, and Johns Hopkins. Uh, the three biggest ones released since we last spoke here um, again, November 28th. So um, we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, but first, I do want to go over an, an article I, I, I put out the other day, actually on Monday, uh, which I was going to talk about on Sunday, but we'll just talk about it on here. Um, that is looking at under-the-radar transfers. Who could make a big impact here in 2022? So let's get into some of those guys here, <clears throat> shall we? Uh, Logan Leisureberg, uh, grad transfer attackman from Sacred Heart, heading to... Play for Greg Canella and the UMass Minutemen. Um, you know, he's like top five, I think. Um, yeah, fifth all time in career points at Sacred Heart. And ninth in goals and third in career assists. This is a guy who's been the face of that Sacred Heart offense. You, you had Max Tuttle there. Logan Leisureberg for a, a time was kind of that second guy. Their second or third guy there along with him. Eventually took over the reins of that offense uh, upon Tuttle's graduation. And while things haven't been very good for Sacred Heart the past couple seasons, they were really good for Logan Leisureberg in particular on an individualistic level. Two-time first-team All-NEC selection. Um, you know, this is a guy who's going to thrive uh, in that UMass offense. You talk about Gabriel uh, Prosick is back, Dylan uh, Arant, uh, Arant uh, Mike Tobin, and Chris Connolly is also back. 
um, as well uh, after um, he was injured. I think was that February missed most of the season. Um, he's going to be back as well. So this is a really good UMass offense. And while they do lose Billy Philpot, Jeff Trainer, and Devin Spencer, I three of the top five uh, point getters from last season, who are all fifth-year guys, you lose some of that veteran leadership, you get in another fifth-year guy. Uh, Chris Connolly's a fifth-year guy as well coming back. Um, and then you add in a grad transfer like Leisureberg. This is going to be a pretty a pretty good UMass offense, and Leisureberg should be a big part of that. Heading to the ACC, looking at Grant Mitchell, a midfielder going from Ohio State to Duke. Uh, he is one of the only, I think, the no, he's one of three. A uh, group of what seven guys here that I mentioned. He's one of I think three of those guys that are not grad transfers. Mitchell is. He um <clears throat> probably garnered a bit more buzz than some other guys on this list, um, but still wasn't talked uh, about nearly as much as some other guys uh, like a Sam Hanley. Um, and some of those higher caliber players, top 10 uh, transfers, if you will. Mitchell, um, you know, arrived in Columbus alongside his twin brother, Connor, um, as an Under Armour All-American, you know, had an outstanding career at Calvert Hall. You know, originally, I think, started high school across in uh, the Atlanta area. Then goes up to Calvert Hall, has a great high school career, and uh, right away is a pretty solid role player for the Buckeyes on that offense. Playing in 18 games, puts up 21 points off 11 goals, 10 assists. Uh, that included a 13-point uh, 2021 campaign, 7 goals, 6 assists there. Um, it, 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 and Mitchell, you know, just the kind of athlete he is can, can step on a field and, and make an impact. <clears throat> uh, you know, he has that size and that speed to play at, at, obviously, in the Big Ten, in the ACC. Very athletic player. Um, really could fit into a lot of different spots uh, on that midfield with Duke. Uh, this is a fairly deep Duke offense as well. Um, so, you know, how much clock is he going to get as opposed to what he got at Ohio State where he was like the fifth uh, fifth and sixth point getter uh, the past two seasons, 2020 and 2021. Um, now, it's hard to say exactly what he's going to do at Duke, obviously, but he, he his ceiling is is pretty high, and his, his full potential has not, uh, you know, appeared to be fully realized at Ohio State, you go, get into this Duke offense, you play a year around a guy like Nakai Montgomery, around some of these other fifth-year guys they bring back, um, these super seniors, if you will. Uh, Going to be a pretty good experience for him there at Duke. And, and maybe if he doesn't pop necessarily as a top five, 
top three guy, he suddenly is going to be in the mix there for that midfield um, in some way, shape, or form for Duke this year. 2023 could even be a bigger part of that uh, unit. I think he has two years left of eligibility. Three years left of eligibility, I believe. Moving uh, back to the uh, I guess to the Big Ten now, um, Tate Gallagher, midfielder, uh, going back to his you know home state of Pennsylvania to play for Jeff Tam. <clears throat> Excuse me, to play for Jeff Tamboni and the. Penn State Nittany Lions after a, a, a solid career in the SoCon with the Richmond Spiders, a three-time captain there uh, for Dan Shimadi's squad down there, part of two NCAA tournament runs with the Spiders in 2018 and 2019. And Tate Gallagher, really, this is a story that I think a lot – I don't want to say it was overlooked, but, um, you know, wasn't as talked about as much last year as maybe it should have been. Um, Tate Gallagher, he's an offensive midfielder. He started as an offensive midfielder, was the sixth leading point getter for Richmond in 2019, was their seventh leading point getter in 2020, started 19 of 24 games during those two seasons. However, Switches to defensive midfielder last last year as a senior and flourished. Um, eight ground balls, five cause turnovers, two goals, second team all conference uh, selection. You know, this is a lot about a guy. When you're in your senior year, you've been an offensive guy your whole career, and they say, "Hey, we need a short a short stick. Can you do that?" Be a lot of guys, you know, that w- would be turned off by that, and say, "Man, I've been, you know, I've been an offensive guy my entire career. This is my year. I can finally pop in this offense, be a top three uh, point getter. I've been a top ten guy my whole life, you know, in my whole career here." But no, Dave Alga says, "Yes, coach, I'll play defensive midi." And uh, not only does did he just say, I will play defensive midi, he said, you know, I will be the de- best defensive midfielder on this team, one of the best in the conference, and he did that. Um, I don't know how the heck Penn State's going to use him, but the versatility that he has and the experience that he has um, as a grad transfer, I mean, I don't care where you put him. Put him anywhere you want. And he can make an impact. Um, really, uh, a, a really good situation there. A good pickup there for Tamboni and the Nittany Lions. Dominic Pryor, grad transfer from Hofstra, heading to North Carolina to play for Joe Bresci in a team just coming off a uh, championship weekend appearance. Pryor had a <clears throat> ton of success there at Hofstra. Um, began his career as an offensive midfielder. Uh, was in a CAA all-rookie selection in 2018 as a freshman. 
But flips to that defensive side and proves to be an absolute workhorse for this Pride program um, over the past two seasons as uh, as the top defensive midfielder, uh, one of the top defensive middies. An impact player, certainly, uh, in the transition game, which is where, you know, Carolina had a ton of success between the boxes last season, especially in the clear, in the clearing game, going 89.893%. That's seventh in Division One, And, you know, you lose a guy like Parker Alexander at the defensive midfield spot. Um, Dominic Pryor, Connor Marr, that, that's, that's the defensive midfield duo that has got to have some other ACC teams pretty scared. Um, and really, Carolina looks like they're going to be pretty dang good in between the boxes again this season uh, with the addition of Pryor there at the defensive midfield spot. Uh, he had 30 ground balls. Six cars turnovers last season <clears throat> while also adding uh, one assist. We had one from Ohio State earlier in the show in Grant Mitchell. Ohio State also um, grabbed a guy from the portal this season um, in Noah Mendoza. Uh, defenseman who is going from playing for one Myers brother and Patrick at Lafayette to another in Nick. Um, in <laughs> just a matter of a year. Um, wonder where that recommendation came from uh, to pick him up. Um, <laughs> Nashville native. Um, I, I, I was able to watch uh, Noah Mendoza play in, in high school. Um, once or twice, I believe, with Montgomery Bell. Very good defenseman, very good player. Um, it's really been great to see how he progressed last season. Starts all 11 games for the Leopards, um, who had a ton of freshmen play last season. Um, 23 ground balls, 10 cards, turnovers. Um, and, you know, when you look at Ohio State, um, he's one of two transfer defensemen there, along with Lynchburg uh, Division Three grad transfer Tyler Gallagher. Um, those two, they join that defense there. That um, is going to have some new faces at, at at some different spots after you know what many would call a subpar performance in 2021 for the Ohio State defense. Um, <clears throat> Mendoza, uh, honestly. They could give him that starting nod at close as a full-time starter, put him at LSM, um, really can make an impact in a multitude of ways. And is certainly uh, a guy that, you know, this Ohio State coaching staff plays him right. Um, can be a pretty big piece of that Ohio State defense um, for years to come, obviously, uh, with three years left of eligibility. And we... Stay in the state of Ohio for uh, Cam Logan, goalie, uh, now at Cleveland State, was at Hartford last season. Uh, a three-year starter in cage for the Hawks, um, was part of that mass exodus from Hartford following the university's announcement that they would be dropping from Division One to Division Three last season. Um, he started his final 23 games with the Hawks, 
273 saves, just under 50% save percentage. He had a 77 save season last year, 47% save percentage. And he walks into a situation in Cleveland State that is really set up for him to succeed. Uh, Kevin Sobey left the program after a strong season last year. Um, and he took over for, I, I can't, I, the, his name has escaped me, the starter in 2020. Um, last name was with an H. Hagith, I believe it was. Um, I can't remember the folks' name. I apologize there. Um, but he took over for him. Sobey did. Sobey leaves. Now, the starter from 2020, again, whose name I is escaping me right now, um, still on the roster. So maybe a battle between Logan and him. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, Logan, certainly, if he can get that starting position there, um, you know, looks to be a pretty decent goalie for the Vikings um, and obviously has a ton of experience as a three-year starter. Um with the Hartford Hawks. That is it. Uh, therefore, it's going to under the radar transfers here uh, looking at. Uh, so we'll take a quick break right now, and then we'll get right back into schedule previews where we start with the Georgetown Hoyas. We'll look at the Penn Quakers and then close things out with the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. All right, welcome back in. It's time to go over some schedule previews. And as I mentioned, we begin things here with the Georgetown Hoyas coming off a 13-3 season, 9-1 in the Big East um, against the Big East heavy schedule. Won the Big East for the third time in a row. Going for the four-peat here in 2022. Obviously, we all know the season for the Hoyas and Kevin Warren ended in a loss to the eventual national champion, Virginia, in the NCAA quarterfinals. The Hoyas, again, uh, very, very tough schedule. Very tough schedule. Um... This season, you open up scrimmages against Maryland and UMBC, and they open the season against Johns Hopkins on the 13th of February, which I think that is, okay, Sunday, the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, um, against Johns Hopkins. They'll then travel at Penn at Notre Dame, you got a home game uh, midweek against Mount St. Mary's. Then you welcome in Princeton on the 5th, the next on March 5th. Next week you go to Richmond, and then you welcome in Utah. And uh, that weekend before Big East play starts, March, March 26th, you travel to Lehigh. Um, and then you start Big East play. You've got at Denver on April 2nd, at Providence on April 9th, home against Marquette on the 16th of March, of April, excuse me. Then you have a midweek game, as we did last year, 
against Loyola, uh, which I think is going to be very exciting. That Loyola and Lehigh games, um, the, the, the bookend that three-game stretch of Big East play, uh, the open conference play, going to be very exciting. Those two games, I think. April 23rd, you're at home against St. John's, and you end the season at Villanova on April 30th, <laughs> the final week of the season. Obviously, you know, games to circle here, February 26th at Notre Dame. So Notre Dame, from my understanding, you know, what I've seen of um, what's been released thus far of games they play and then kind of what I've heard. Um, and, and I believe uh, Kevin Corgan uh, was on the – what podcast was it? Um, the Inside Lacrosse podcast, and he mentioned this, I believe, as well. Um, Notre Dame-Denver is off, which is very unfortunate. Um, they've substituted them with Georgetown, um, at least for the next two years, from my understanding. Um, you know, you hate to see it, but um, – you know, Georgetown runs the Big East at the moment. Um, I would love to see that Notre Dame-Denver rivalry come back, but um, unfortunately it doesn't look like we're going to get it for the next two years. I don't know, maybe they get it on the schedule in 23, but from what I understand, it's not on the schedule in 22. So very, very sad times um, for a lot of us that loved that series, especially the 2015, 16, 17 was tremendous games. Um, but Georgetown, uh, traveling to South Bend, uh, they'll end the month of February there. This is their first contest against the Irish since 2017. It's going to pit two NCAA quarterfinalists up against each other. Uh, you know, Notre Dame was one goal away from making it to championship weekend. Um, you know, the Hoyas obviously blown out by Virginia there, but both teams that got pretty far last season, um, and this is going to be a very exciting one, very, very exciting one. Um, they've met 17, 17 times prior. Uh, it's a 10-7 series lead for Notre Dame. Uh, the Hoyas' last win over the Irish came in 2010. Um and th- this game, defensive battle. Like, these were two of the best defensive teams in the nation last season. They're going to be that again this year. Um, remember, Georgetown gets Will frickin' Bowen. I mean, I, th- th- they just keep loading up. And I think Bowen's there for two years, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um so they get Will Bowen in there, transfer from North Carolina, for those under, unaware. Um, grad transfer, actually, graduated in three years. Smart kid, uh, smart guy there. Um, great defenseman. Um, so where you lose guys like Gibson Smith and that, get in Will Bowen. Um, and Notre Dame, we talked about them on the last podcast. They return practically everybody on, on, on that defense. Um, I think it was Jack Kilty <clears throat> is really the biggest loss there. Um, but a ton of a lot of players there. So uh, really, really good defensive battle there. 
uh, Notre Dame and Georgetown. Uh, another other games to circle here. March fifth versus Princeton. Um, kick off the March slate there up against the Princeton Tigers. Um, you know the Hoyas. You know coming off third Big East title. Uh, first quarterfinals trip since two thousand seven. Well, Princeton, they're coming off uh, best start in a while in 2020. Uh, they, they haven't played a game since March of 2020. Um, but they got a lot of talent coming back. Alex Slusher, Fadaro um, at the faceoff. I mean, there's a lot of guys on that Princeton roster um, coming back. So... Uh, guys that didn't play last year, George Ball, and a lot of dudes um, on the defensive end. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. It's really one of those games. It's the first game since 2007 and just the second meeting since 2002. So these two don't get together that often. And uh, you know, Georgetown is, is going to be the best team in the Big East coming into this season. And uh, Princeton, they're looking to get back to being the best team in the Ivy League. So we'll see how this thing uh, rolls out. I think this will be more of a, I don't know, it it, it could be more of a measuring stick game in my mind, uh, especially for Princeton to see, okay, where actually are they? Uh, Because they'll have a couple games under their belt uh, thus far. And we... Mentioned previews, uh, previewed Princeton's schedule a few months or so back, I believe it was. Um, so they'll have a couple big time games under their belt already. Uh, we'll see how they do here. April 2nd, the biggest game in the Big East Georgetown at Denver. One heck of a series to follow the past three full seasons. <clears throat> three meetings in which the Hoyas, um, over the last last season, three meetings, Hoyas went two and one. Uh, Denver won that first meeting in what was a heck of a game, heck of a kind of white game run there for the Pios, 13-7 win. Um, then you had... Denver fall by one, 11 to 10 in overtime in that second regular season meeting. And then again, it's a 10-9 game. Georgetown wins the Big East title. I expect nothing but exciting lacrosse in this one. Throughout the record books, um, you know, these are the two best teams in the Big East. They're fighting. For that, you know, for, for the right to be called that, uh, the best team in the Big East. So, um, th- this is going to be one heck of a game uh, and is the game to circle in the Big East in general. April 19th, uh, mentioned Georgetown takes a bit of a break from Big East play and they'll play the Loyola Greyhounds. Um, and this is a Loyola team that I, I expect to come into this game with a lot more um, a lot more hype <clears throat> excuse me, a lot more hype than they had 
coming into last year's game. So, if you remember, Loyola goes on that late-season late run and gets in the tournament that way. Uh, they, you know, COVID-19 test, positive, whatever, uh, prohibits them from playing in the Patriot League title game. Lehigh gets that AQ, and uh, Loyola still gets in as an at-large bid, in large part to the win over the Hoyas, 11-9, um, was the Greyhounds' second, only the second regular season loss of the season. You know, with both in, in both these teams returning sizable chunks of their rosters from, from last year, both are expected to be NCAA tournament teams, both expected to be the top team in their conference coming into the season. This game is a probable or could have NCAA tournament implications. Um, and, you know, could be a game that really motivates a team down the stretch. Um, you look at Georgetown, you have Providence and Marquette before them. I think they win both those games. I think Marquette's going to be better this year, but Providence loses a lot um, from that last year's team, and they're not what they were in 2020 or 2019. They had some good seasons there. Um, I think Georgetown can beat both of those teams pretty soundly. We'll see how that goes. Both you're coming into this game, you know, and then you have St. John's after that. I think we all know how that's going to go. No offense to the Johnnies, but... You know, Georgetown, they've beaten them pretty badly as of recent. Um, and you end the season with Villanova. So really, Loyola, Villanova, I mean, those are two games to get excited about for this Hoyas team. You know, in the midst of a, of a Big East schedule that I would say is pretty, you know, by Georgetown standards. Now, that third and fourth uh, spot in the Big East is very interesting. Well, Villanova, I think it's that third spot, but that fourth spot is me very interesting. Marquette, Providence fighting for that spot. But outside of that, not, not you know, that little battle there, I think we kind of know what the Big East is going to be. And so when you missed kind of play like that, <coughs> And yes, it's a conference game. Those are conference games, but games that you should, you know, everyone expects you to win. Like, you know, sometimes you can get bored. It can get boring. It can get, you know, you know, whatever you want to say. So having this Loyola game in there, I, I think is really good it, 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 for not only Loyola, but also Georgetown. Uh, could really spark a team late as it did last season. Moving on to the Penn Quakers, um, a team that has only played one game last uh, since 2020. They beat up on Cabrini. And, um, you know, shout out to Mike Murphy. Um, he has his team once again, and, uh, you know, never surprises with this one, but uh, I would call this right now. Um, Maybe the toughest schedule in the country. Start the year on February 19th. 
<clears throat> against Georgetown. Then you go and you play Duke at a neutral site on the 26th. And then you play uh, in the Crown Lacrosse Classic. I, I actually think this is pretty funny. Penn and Penn State. Um, two teams in the same state, obviously. Um, not that close to each other, but they're in the same state. Philly and um, was Happy Valley up near Pittsburgh area. Um, so two teams from the opposite side, essentially, of the state of Pennsylvania will head down to uh, the Crown City, Charlotte, North Carolina, to play in the Crown Lacrosse Classic. Just think that's kind of funny. Penn, Penn State, they're playing, where are they playing? Oh, they're playing in Charlotte. Huh. Okay. Very interesting game, though. Very, very interesting game. Should be. That's on March 5th. March 12th, they play at Villanova. A, you know, <laughs> Philadelphia uh, rivalry game, if you will, though. Uh, no Philly lacrosse classic this year, by the way, um, as they had in years past. So that's that's gone. Uh, I believe it was like St. Joe's, Villanova, Penn. You know, that's gone. Uh, Drexel was in there. That's n- no longer. So Penn's not in it. St. Joe's, Villanova, ain't ain't nobody in it this year. It's it's gone. Penn starts Ivy League play. <clears throat> on March 19th at Princeton. Um, they will then welcome in Cornell on the 26th of March. April 2nd, they're at Yale. April 9th, they're at home against Brown. April 16th, they're at home against Harvard. April 23rd, uh, they travel up to Dartmouth. And then they end the season with two non-conference games, interestingly enough. Um, April 26th, at home against St. Joseph's. And then on the road on April 30th at UAlbany. Games to circle on this one uh, versus Duke, obviously. No, didn't get to play last season, Um, you know. Quakers, Blue Devils, renewing this early season meeting that we've seen uh, for the past three seasons in a row. Four seasons, I should say. 2018, 2019, 2020. Uh, well, 2020 wasn't a full season, but regular seasons, I should say. Well, the Ivy League plays. Um, Penn went 2-1 in those three meetings, which included a 14-11 victory in 2020. I'm all... This game always gets me excited. Uh, it has the past couple seasons. Um, Penn and Duke, early season matchup, going to be exciting. Um, we'll see how. And, and, and really, obviously, the, the Georgetown game is going to be where we see, okay, <clears throat> what exactly does this, does this Penn team look like? But even, even if they lose that game, you've got Duke, Penn State, Villanova, and then Princeton, Cornell, and Yale to start Ivy League play, that's a gauntlet. That's a gauntlet. Like, if you want to find out what your team's made of, give them that schedule. Give them that schedule. Um, and Mike Murphy, he does it every freaking year. 
And, um, you know, no surprise when Penn is, you know, coming in the postseason, you know, battle-tested, ready to do anything um, when you play a schedule like that. Um, and they should be uh, in the postseason this year, uh, at least Ivy League tournament, I would assume. Um, April, excuse me, March 26th at home against Cornell, uh, the second game of Ivy League play, <clears throat> the Ivy League home opener. Um, these are two teams looking to, you know, have some new look-ish to them on both sides of the ball, and they're looking to remain the conference's top, you know, two of the conference's top teams. Um, you know, and, and this really is a game that I think is going to decide the pecking order, or could decide the pecking order there in the Ivy League, how things are going to shake out, um, and almost bound to have postseason implications in that regard. April 2nd at Yale. I don't have to explain this one to you. Penn-Yale, best series of 2019. Three exciting matchups. Penn wins the regular season meeting 13-12 in triple frickin' overtime. Takes down Yale again in the Ivy League League title game. And then Yale ends Penn's, uh, you know, magical season 1918 uh, in overtime in the NCAA quarterfinals. Um, you know, I can't remember who it was. Yale had that. Was it Thomas Bragg? I can't, I can't, oh, uh, Tevlin, I think. I can't remember who it was. Amazing shot. Um, they were in the game in overtime. Uh, amazing game. One of the best games of that season. Uh, really, all three of those games were. Um, however, that was two years ago. So, how these matchups shake out, or how this matchup will shake out, be very interesting to see. Very, very interesting. Uh, both teams lose some good pieces from uh, that 2019 team and 2020 teams. Um, so that definitely wanted to circle there, obviously, with what we've seen from those two teams in the past, recent past. Moving on to the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays, going into really Peter Milliman's first re- uh, normal season in uh, at Homewood. Uh, they went four and nine last season, two and eight in the Big Ten against the Big Ten only schedule. Obviously, um, made it to the Big Ten title game where they uh, gave Maryland a good. Uh, good piece of their mind um, gave them a, a bit of trouble. And uh, the Blue Jays, <clears throat> excuse me, they opened the season scrimmage against Denver on January 29th, and they opened the season at home against Jacksonville. They were then on uh, February 11th. At Towson, February 13th, at Georgetown. Then they're home against Loyola. You're on the road against, and that's on the 19th. You're on the road the February 26th against North Carolina. March 5th at Virginia. And then you're at home against rival Syracuse 
on February, um, March 12th, and then March 18th uh, versus Navy. You end non non-conference play March 20th at Delaware. That is a heck of a schedule, non-conference-wise. <clears throat> heck of a stretch. Towson, Georgetown, Loyola, Carolina, Virginia, Syracuse, Navy, Delaware. That is another gauntlet right there. Um, Georgetown, Loyola were obviously um, quarterfinalists last year. Carolina, Virginia. Championship weekend teams, Syracuse NCAA tournament team, um, and obviously Dave Petromalis return to Homewood that game. Navy gonna be a top team in the Patriot League. Delaware gonna be the favorite in the CAA. One heck of a non-conference schedule you put up there, uh, Peter Millman. Uh, Big Ten wise, Hopkins opens Big Ten play on. March 26th versus Michigan. Then they will host uh, travel to Rutgers on the 3rd. <coughs> and then I'm not sure what date this is. Um, they said either April 9th or 10th they travel to Ohio State. So we'll see what that ends up being. April 16th, they're at home against Penn State and they close the season out. April 23rd at home against arch-rival Maryland. Games to circle here. Georgetown. At Georgetown on February 13th. Just two days after facing in-state foe Towson, the Blue Jays begin a stretch of four consecutive games that pits them against the against four of the final eight teams standing from a year ago. That stretch is kicked off against Georgetown. Um, this will be the third ever meeting between these two and really the first major test for Hopkins this year to see how much have y'all improved. Y'all showed a lot of promise at the end of the season. Is that kind of going to come to fruition? If so, I think we start to see it, and we see what they're made of, certainly in that stretch there, which begins, again, at Georgetown. Then you've got Loyola, Carolina, Virginia, Syracuse, Navy. Very, very tough one there. March 5th, at Virginia, uh, Doyle Smith is looking down. And smiling right now um, as the Doyle Smith Cup is back um, after a two-year hiatus. Obviously, last year couldn't play. Um, 2020 didn't – they, they wouldn't have played by that time anyway, but uh, didn't – wasn't even on the schedule. Uh, Johns Hopkins will face – will travel to Charlottesville to face the back-to-back -back reigning national champions. First time the Doyle Smith Cup has been fought for since 2018. Hopkins won that meeting 15 to 
13. It's going to be the first road contest at Charlottesville for Hopkins since 2018. Uh, first Doyle Smith Cup since 2019. Uh, Hopkins won uh, the 2018 meeting 15 to 13, and Virginia took the 2019 meeting at Homewood 16 to 11. Past four contests have come by an average of 2.25 goals. <clears throat> Expect another tight one here um, in this series, uh, which dates back to 1955. Um, Hopkins leads the all-time series 42-21. to 21. Um, th- This is always one of my favorite games of the year. Um, I would rather they play it on Easter Sunday, though. Like they did for a few years though. That was that that was really, really exciting. Uh, those games and like that's when Virginia and Hopkins were you know down or whatever, and like even though they were down, those games were lit. Like they were. I remember. I think was it Zed Williams? Um, so the bounce pass game he had, we bounce passed it like literally across the field. Um, just a lot of exciting, a lot of exciting times in that series. You can go back years on that one. Um, April 16th versus Penn State, uh, the Blue Jays and the Nittany Lions, uh, really were significantly impacted by the difficulties of last season in many respects and both look, uh, to build off late season progress, uh, and get back on track in 2022. So really a similar state here for both teams um, in many respects. Um, obviously, Penn State has had a better history, recent history. Um, talking you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, than uh, Hopkins has. But uh, certainly both teams looking to bounce back after last season. Uh, they played three times last year. Blue Jays going two and one in those meetings, <clears throat> as they beat the Nittany Lions thirteen to six in the regular season meeting, uh, the first time, um, and then the, they won the Big Ten quarterfinal matchup fifteen to seven. Penn State won that second regular season meeting eleven to eight. This game, honestly, I, I think is going to be a key one to see how the Big Ten shakes out. Last game to circle here, obviously, it's no surprise. Rivalry weekend, Johns Hopkins, Maryland, throw out the freaking record books. Uh, Hop, Maryland is not, well, Maryland, I think, will still win the Big Ten, and I think they're still better than Hopkins, uh, just talent-wise, but there's no Jared Bernhardt on this team, and I think we're going to get what we got last season, um, a 12 to 10, you know, Maryland win in the Big Ten title game. Uh, I think it's going to be another close one between these two rivals. Definitely, definitely, definitely circle that one. Circle Syracuse as well. Dave Petramala returning to Homewood. That is it for today's episode. As always, thank you all for tuning in. You can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. Be back here with y'all on Sunday.